Hi, welcome to Math and Musings. I'm Mike O'Connell, creator of Math and Musings, and your host. Stay tuned for 15 minutes of science, politics, news, and opinion. In other words, Math and Musings. Today's date is Friday, September 30th. 30 days, half September. It's 2022. This is season two, counting in my head here, uh, episode number 39. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I appreciate your tuning in today. For those of you who have uh, read my blog, that is uh, michaelconnelljr.com, sole sponsor of Math and Musings, by the way, uh, you will recognize some of the content of today's program. Yeah, I, I generally recite the same material on both uh, fora, my blog and my podcast. Uh, sometimes there's a little bit of a delay. Uh, the, the blog tends to be more immediate. So it was the day after this event, uh, last, uh, let's see, the date in question was Sunday, September 18th. Wrote about this on the blog on Monday, September 19th. If you check that one out, you know what's coming. This is the audio version of my fulfillment of every father's dream. This is not just my dream. This is every father's dream. Taking your son to his first Major League Baseball game. That was me last Sunday. And uh, I took Franklin to Nationals Park. That's my hometown team. Uh, my wife went with us too. It was a family affair. This was the trio. And yeah, kids' first big league game. That's that's the thing you dream about. And it so happens that my son is eight years old. I was eight years old at my first game. You think about these things and, you know, timeless uh, generations past, you know, the national pastime tying together uh, fathers and sons and grandfathers and great-grandfathers. Now, the game's been going on for more than 150 years. And, uh, yeah, it's just literally bridged generations. And the number of things that are the same between me and my son, incredible. The number of things that are different, well, there's a lot of those, too. Let me get into some of those specifics. And uh, if you've read my blog, you know this already. But I, I tell the story a little bit differently than I write. So uh, I encourage you to uh, take interest of both. That uh, the, the great continuity of this thing, and I will admit that this was not by accident. Like, I know I'm going to take Franklin to a Nats game at some point. Like, who do I want to see him play? Now, of course, you could go the uh, the high-profile route and, and go to uh, a marquee game, like, oh, if they're playing the Mets or they're playing the Yankees or playing the Dodgers. Well, that's going to be a big crowd in in every way feasible. I'm thinking, uh, probably I want to go to one of the, pardon the expression, like the lesser games, less crowded, cheaper tickets, uh, more likely, you know, you get a good seat and, uh, you know, he's easier getting out of the park. And these are some of the other things you think about when, when you're a dad, when you're a chauffeur. And I thought, well, you know, division game, when they got a game coming up on a weekend series against the Miami Marlins. Miami Marlins, managed by my childhood hero, in many ways still my hero, one Donald Arthur Mattingly. Yeah, Donnie Baseball, who was my favorite player when I was a kid, now managing the Miami Marlins. So when I was eight years old, this was 1990, and the game in question was August 25th, 
1990. That was my first ever major league game. And who did I see play? Let me rephrase that. Who did I not see play because he was out injured with that achy back of his that kept him out of so many games, kept him out of the Hall of Fame too, but hasn't kept him from managing. Uh, Don Mattingly did not play. Don Mattingly was sitting on the bench that day, as far as I know, (laughs) sitting on the bench that day in 1990. Fast forward 32 years, I bring my son to his first game, and what do I have? Don Mattingly sitting on the bench. This time in the visitor's dugout, dugout, and this time uh, on purpose as the manager of the other team. So there's that continuity of this one guy, my childhood hero, Don Mattingly, was at both games. And that's about where the similarities end. Like the ballpark experience in 1990, I mean, it might as well be 1590. Like we might as well be talking about like seeing Shakespeare on the stage here in uh, Elizabethan times compared to what you experience, what one experiences at the ballpark in 2020. Let me tick off the ways here. Uh, First of all, there were no Nationals, there were no Marlins in 1990. Uh, There were no teams in the state of Florida, uh, no team in D.C. The Yankees that day were playing the Milwaukee Brewers. No, this was not interleague play. The Brewers were in the American League. The American League East, actually, was an intra-divisional game. No interleague play. There were seven teams in the AL East at the time. Now there's six divisions of five. And uh, the way I entered the park, and the way everyone entered the park, was to hand over your paper ticket. Yeah, they used to make the tickets out of paper before uh, the, the ballpark app that we have now. And the tickets just on my phone. I was, I was a little bit disappointed. Like, I didn't have a ticket stub to, like, to hang on to. But, eh, that makes two, because I lost my ticket stub from 1990 also. Someone was hanging on to it. Interesting, I went to the game that day, not with my dad. Uh, I went to several other games following with my dad, but that first time I went with uh, the Gallaghers. I went with my grandfather and my Uncle Bob and his kids, my cousins. So my uh, grandfather went with his three grandchildren that day, uh, August 25th, 1990. And no, we, we did not have the ballpark app that day. I was thinking that now my grandfather spent a lifetime in baseball, following baseball. And uh, I've talked about Robert E. Gallagher many times, played on a you know the classic company baseball team pre-war and then played a little bit in the Army too, and then was a sports writer for our local Binghamton triplets for a few years uh, before, before finding his calling as a public school teacher like myself. Followed the game forever and uh, like literally from like the time of Babe Ruth to, to the time of Derek Jeter, that uh, Yankee fan and would just be totally lost if he tried to walk into a park in 2022. Whereas my wife and son, I mean, they fit right in. First thing they did, we come in the ballpark and okay, it's like it's a 135 game, Get got there about 1230. So I wanted to get there early, show Franklin the, the park a little bit and he sees... The food stand, I'm thinking like hot dogs and peanuts. He says, no, this is the, uh, the seafood shack here. They, it, my son ordered fried shrimp. He wanted fried shrimp. And my wife got a lobster roll. 
lobster roll. Yeah, Shoeless Joe Jackson is rolling over in his grave right now. And uh, so my wife also gets a lemonade. Now, lemonade, yeah, kicking it old school. I, I thought the uh, lemonade was a good choice. And the trouble is, though the lid of the lemonade had the opening for a straw, Nats Park 2022 strawless stadium could not get a straw. Reggie Jackson was nowhere to be found. There was no straw stirring the drink here. Um, yeah, that uh, you go to a ballpark in 2022, you can get a lobster roll. You cannot get a straw. You, you bring your own straw for these things. And it, it made it weird uh, drinking the lemonade, which has like a whole lemon in it and the ice. Like, I don't use the ice in my drink. If I want the thing watered down, I'll just ask for water. It was awkward to consume. Tasty, but a little bit awkward. And uh, yeah, couldn't get a straw, but, but you could get a lobster roll. And then, I mean, don't even start at the, the ballpark app that... like. You have an issue? Just just text someone on the on the ballpark app, and the, an attendant will come to your seat. Or you can order you can order your food on the ballpark app; they'll have it ready for you. You can order merchandise. Like I could order a Nats hoodie or a ball cap or something. Order it on the app, and, ha- and like some guy will come and deliver it to your seats. Like this is the modern world we're living in. Now, there were a few things that were consistent. Like, first of all, and this was a surprise, and, and I was thankful for this, the game was short. Game only ran uh, 2.27, 2 hours and 27 minutes. Short game. Like, that's 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 20th century baseball, right? That's, that's like 19th century baseball, getting the game done in less than two and a half hours. Manageable, as Michael Kay would say. Nats ended up losing 3-1, to one, but we saw, we saw their only run which was scored on a double play of all things and, and a bonehead base running error. Uh, guy gets thrown out at, at second base following you know an out on a fly ball, score on a uh, sacrifice fly, and then I guess it still counts as sacrifice. I'll have to speak to the official score about this one. And then uh, thrown out at second. It was this, the second bonehead base running play I saw in... Um, in the few innings, uh, right at the beginning of the game, and the first inning went the same way, and and uh, I heard Bobby Scales talk about this recently on the SIS podcast, one of the few other podcasts that I listen to, and you know, like I'm jealous of it every week. That like base running and the fundamentals of base running are just not taught these days, and it's something that the Moneyball guys are looking at, and like ways to quantify this, like how many runs are you costing your team because of shoddy base running, or if you're running the bases well, how much value are you bringing to your team doing this skill well, this overlooked skill well, because it's kind of a lost art. So anyway, Nats end up losing the game, but you know, we saw the the President's Race. Now, President's Race, I swear it was a fix for George Washington. It was, it was George Washington Day, like George Washington University was having some kind of promotional event that day. Total fix that GW wins this race. Now, my son and I were pulling for Teddy Roosevelt because before the race, we're walking around the grounds and we see old TR coming at us. TR gives us both a high five. So we're rooting for Teddy. There was there was an odd uh, robot dance in the middle of the president's race going on from which... George um, 
released himself. He cut out early and ended up winning the game. I, I thought it was a kind of a con job from George. It's funny, as I say, it was, it was George Washington Day. And uh, if you can believe it, <laughs> we, we rode the Metro into the park with not the whole team, but at least 10 or 12 girls from the George Washington University softball team. They're in like their softball togs, obviously going to the game, as was everyone else on the train. And uh, it's funny, like, yeah, we rode in with the George Washington University softball team. Reminded me of a story my dad told. My dad told the story his whole life that when he was a kid riding the subways of New York City, he and his dad ran into Johnny Mize on the subway. And I've always thought, like, Johnny Mize, yeah, he's yeah, he's not Mickey Mantle, he's not Joe DiMaggio, but Johnny Mize was, was a big-time player in his day. Played five years with the Yankees, won five championships, 49-53. to 53, Went out on top. And uh, that you would run into a major league player just riding the subway, just like a guy going to work. And that like shows me the difference between, you know, 1950 or so and now like you're not going to run into Steven Strasburg on the subway, you know. You're not running into Mike Trout or Bryce Harper on the subway train. It's funny to to think of that. As I thought of many things I'd done with my dad. Now, as I said, he didn't go with me to that first game, but pretty much every year after that. I mean, if if you grow up in upstate New York, like as far upstate as I did, Getting to the stadium is a little bit of a haul. It, it's a once a year, like a, it's a once a summer adventure. And it pretty much every summer, you know, all through the 90s into the 2000s, it was, this is your pilgrimage to the stadium, yeah, just the stadium every year. And uh, so my, my dad was there with me, you know, 91, 92, 93. We'd go to one game a year. Uh, but that 1990 game was, was the first one I saw. And uh, I'll never forget, like, I don't even have to look this up. I know exactly what happened. Roberto Kelly led off the game for the Bronx Bombers with the home run. They ended up using, this is crazy, four catchers in the game. Because, all right, they had Rick Cerrone starting at catcher. Matt Noakes was DHing. Bob Guerin for him came in later in the game. And uh, Jim Lairitz, who was a backup catcher, was playing third base that day. Dave LaPointe pitches a gem, but blown in the ninth inning by one Dave Rags Rigetti. Blown save, gives up a three-run home run to Greg Brock, of all people. Yeah, Greg Brock. Brewers lineup that way included, now get this, Paul Molitor, Robin Yount, Gary Sheffield, Dave Parker. And who wins it for the Brewers? Power-hitting slugger Greg Brock. Three-run home run in the ninth inning. Unbelievable. Crushed eight-year-old Mikey O'Connell. Oh, I gotta stop after that one. I hope you've enjoyed Math and Musings. I have. I love reminiscing and talking about baseball. For more information to contact, well, you can go to MikeOConnellJr.com. <laughs>